I don't know. Scholar. 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 Welcome to another episode of Scholarly Conversations with Yinka and Sadia, a show where we have scholarly conversations with anyone about anything, because we can. This is the fifth episode of the podcast, the one about sexual harassment. This is Scholarly Conversations with Sadia and Yinka. From scandals involving top politicians, businessmen, actors and more, to grooming gangs, upskirting, the Me Too movement and vile stories of assault against women, children and men, the issues of sexual harassment and assault have been in the news very often recently. According to the ONS, 20% of women and 4% of men in the West have experienced some type of sexual assault since the age of 16. That's equivalent to an estimated 3.4 million female victims and 631,000 male victims. Although a lot of these cases go unreported, in most cases, sexual harassment and assault are carried out by an acquaintance of the victim. It often leaves victims with psychological issues, feelings of guilt, weakness and violation. And the unfortunate truth is, most of the women you know have had at least one experience of being a victim of sexual harassment. In this episode of Scholarly Conversations, Yinka and I will look at the issues of consent, catcalling, rape culture, the law and more. So sit back, relax and enjoy this episode. Yeah, so this is a new episode of Scholarly Conversation and it is 1.49 on a Tuesday and we are recording in where, Sadia? Um, so we're at Scholarly Conversations HQ, <laughs> which is um, a secret cafe in the middle of nowhere. So yeah. no one can ever find it. Yeah, and uh, we've decided to change the style of this podcast a bit. So we're making it a bit more informal, more conversational. And we haven't started with like set views. We haven't started with a script or anything. We're just going to talk about random subtop- subtopics related to the issue. Mm-hmm. So how do you want to start this? Um, so I just think we should start by explaining why we chose um, this topic as the focus of this episode Um, so obviously in the news we're constantly hearing about politicians and uh, like celebrities who are um, being accused of sexual harassment so we thought we'd um, look into what defines sexual harassment um, and other issues surrounding it like consent and rape culture whether there is a rape culture and you? Yeah, also just to clarify, we are at a cafe, so that's what the noise is in the background. But it, they add some, like, ambiance. Yes, this is Yinka's <laughs> first time at a cafe, so um, do bear with him. That's true. Oh my gosh, everything looks so neat. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, um, I talk about this book a lot, but um, I read a book called Headscarves and Hymens by um, Mona El-Tahawi. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> I talked about it a lot on my personal statement, actually. Um, and she talks about the, um, the assault and harassment that um, a lot of women face in the Middle East. And obviously, this isn't strictly a Middle Eastern problem. Mm-hmm. Um, there are Western versions of the same book, so... Um, is this a fictional, like, account? Or it's uh, non-fiction, okay. so it's about real-life stories. Um, Simone de Beauvoir, also... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, I've been reading a lot of feminist yeah. texts no recently. <laughs> um, and I guess what really struck me was that these issues, they seem to... Um, they seem to be really apparent even in religious circles because I come from like I come from a Muslim background no. yeah <laughs> just imagine a girl in a hijab that's me um, and when I went to Saudi Arabia which is supposed to be um, I don't know it's supposed to be like the religious capital of Islam mm-hmm. um, it's supposed to be a place where people's intentions are pure and you're only focused on worship Mecca yeah, Mecca's in Saudi Arabia. No, I, yeah. I well, we are educating you today. Um, what I noticed was that even there, men would catcall women, and that came as quite a shock to me because, I mean, I went there for the first time when I was like 10, and the thing is, they use religious statements like mashallah to catcall women, and then I read, <laughs> it's not funny, it's actually it's very, very okay, sorry. It, it does affect women psychologically because you're making them feel like they're impure, like they are the causes of sin in like the religious capital of the world, you know? Mm, okay. I found that really disgusting, and then I read in Mona El-Tahawi's book, um, shout out to you Mona if you're listening, um, that women have actually been sexually assaulted in Makkah, around the Kaaba, which is, um, it's like, how do I describe it? Muslims go on pilgrimage there. Is that the one where they do you like the... the yeah, you line? go around seven ah, times. No. You should know this, your dad's Muslim. I know, right? <laughs> he explains some. <clears throat> yeah, so I find that really shocking, disgusting. But like when you say catcalling, like a question I have is like, what is like catcalling? Like? It's when women, girls, will be going about their daily business just being normal and then men will make revolting comments about them, about their bodies. Um, <clears throat> the mashallah comment is about women's bodies, even though in Makkah women tend to wear loose clothes, abayas. Um, so yeah, it's like... But, so is it just men, women, sorry, so like... Only women get catcalled. Is it? I'm not saying that, but the vast majority of victims are women. Mm. I'm not saying that men can't be victims, but I'm saying in places like this, at least. Um, and then earlier this year, I went to Morocco, which is another um, Muslim country by name. And again, there, I was absolutely disgusted because sexual harassment is just seen as a part of daily life. I went with my cousin, who's just um, 15, and, I mean, the men there are, uh, I'm generalising hugely, are quite, like, flirtatious, the market, um, the merchants, but sometimes it was downright vile. They were making disgusting comments about her body to her, asking her for, like, her WhatsApp and everything. But it's just, first of all, she's a child, and you can tell that she's a child. Yeah. 
But like, do you do you feel like you you think it's sexual harassment just because like of like you've lived in the Western world for a long time, so like you you use your knowledge of what you know to be wrong but like for them it's not wrong it's as you said it's just a cultural thing like to be flirtatious but they don't mean anything aggressive or rude about it um well first of all i don't think the problem doesn't exist in the west i just think it's hidden a lot more in here okay yeah i mean let's uh redirect the focus from the east back to the west shall we (laughs) um on their way to school a lot of my friends have said that they've been touched inappropriately on the train people have said things to them and they they they're kind of forced to accept that this is a possibility in daily life imagine i think it's quite unfortunate that sometimes to get men to understand where women are coming from you have to use analogies like imagine if it was you if someone touched your trousers you know and you have to say things like imagine if it was your mom your sister i think that's quite disgusting you have to look at women as people no matter how they relate to you they're people and these things are very dehumanizing you see when people um sexually harass women they're seeing them as like walking slabs of meat and but like i I just feel like not everyone like sees women like that it's just literally a flirtatious thing like you're just being flirty you're just like like it's just reading into it that makes it more disgusting than it is. Like, so there's a wait. So there's a woman who said, um, so someone said something to her, which was, um, "What are you doing out so early?" And it's like, is is that cat calling? Like that's that that sentence of like, "What are you doing out so early?" Well, no, but does a stranger have any right to inf- interfere in what you're doing, like that? I wouldn't say that's um, strictly sexual harassment. But she, 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 so she's, she claims that it is, like, sexual harassment. Like, just, that she, she calls that catcalling. Mm, I guess you have to look at the context. Was he staring at her weirdly? The fact that he registered her presence and then made a comment about it. He has no right to ask her what she's doing. So, yeah, that's something she said. She, so there's the criteria that she used. She was like... The criteria of knowing if it's catcalling is number one, was it offensive? Like, and okay, two. but okay, I will say this offense is very subjective. Sometimes people take compliments as harassment, even mm-hmm. though the intention of the person giving it was pure. But certain um, scenarios are completely like you can't say that's not harassment, especially when it involves children in school uniforms. Yeah, that, being, that is completely different. That's yeah, just gross. That's being, just... um, like, their looks being commented on by men who are way older than them. It makes girls afraid to go outside by themselves. Um, and the second criteria is, like, was it sexual? Like, if, if someone was flirting with you, would you, like, have them just not make anything that's, like, any comment that's, like, sexual in any way? Yeah, I think that's uh, quite an interesting thing to think about. What is the difference between flirtation and harassment? Mm -hmm. Um, Something I saw on Twitter, actually, was that some people think the difference is about the appearance of the person making these comments. Okay, yeah. So, like, you know the term creep? A creep said this to me. Mm -hmm. What defines a creep? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Is it about appearances? 
I think for some people it is about appearances. Like, for example, let's say like, what description can I use? Like, someone who you consider less appealing, like with Western like ideals of like beauty and stuff. If that was to like say something to you, you'd probably think ill gross. That's like creepy. But like, if Channing Tatum was to come up to you and like said something like the same sentence, you'd probably see that and be like, oh wow, like you you wouldn't consider that harassment or anything like do you agree yeah i definitely do but um i wonder if consent is necessary for things like compliments like like you have to give your consent like can i tell you something oh wow can i give you a compliment i'm not sure um i think there are things where it's unclear as to whether that is directly harmful to women Mm -hmm. but other things especially when men touch women without their permission those things like are completely unacceptable um also i think we should discuss whether um workplace flirtation is ever okay because a lot of people think that um what defines harassment is about the context so whether you know the person for example whether it's at school or in the workplace, do you think workplace flirtation is ever okay? Or do you think that people should always maintain professional relationships with their colleagues? I mean, for me at work, like, it's just go in and, like, bounce in my house, like... Um, do you work? Oh, yeah, I do, yeah. Oh, wait, I'm a crap friend. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's for me, but which is, like, I don't really have time for any of that because I have stuff to do, but... It's, I I don't th- I don't see any harm in it if you're like if if yeah if, if you both consent to it and it's like a, it's a jokey thing with, between yourself like I don't really see the problem with that like how how what you what do you mean by like workplace flirtation like um so if two people have been um working alongside each other and the man makes a comment about how a woman looks how her body looks something like that. Is that ever okay? But is he saying it to her, though, or to... To her. I mean, if if he's saying it to her, like, is there a problem there? Like, is I think this, it is... all depends on the context, because women don't necessarily go to work to look appealing to men, you know? Is he? So it has to be something that's, like, a reciprocated interest. There has to be a relationship between the two people, like, whether they're friends and... I don't know, one of them has a crush on the other. Mm-hmm. But to if the woman wants to just maintain like a professional relationship and then the man makes advances like this. Yeah. It's very difficult. I, 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 don't, I don't really think I have anything to say about that. Just yeah, it is a very difficult topic and everything really depends on context. Okay. Um, so another thing is like with that it's just about people overthinking a lot of things it's like do you think that plays into the idea of like people just screaming sexual harassment immediately if something happens like without even thinking about the context just like using your emotions about how you feel and immediately you just regard that as like harassment well I think when women talk about their own fears and concerns surrounding this issue a lot of people instantly deem them to be irrational to just be over emotional i think that the fear is often justified like 
I don't think you can fully explain the fear if you haven't been sexually assaulted. There's no way to like convey the type of fear that women feel. It's like there's a psychological dimension, there's a physical dimension. So if there is an element of paranoia maybe, it's understandable. Scholarly conversation with Sadia and Yinka. Next, we focus on some comments from our listeners. So we just received a comment from one of our followers on Instagram. Um, About Josh? Yeah, he said, um, on sexual harassment, um, it has been normalised by lad culture and objectification of women in social media. Thoughts? Um, well, you have that story about, um, you know, that athlete, what's his name, Brock Turner? Wait, let me check if it's... Brock Turner. What did he do? Sorry if that's an incorrect name and your name happens to be Brock Turner. Um, yeah, okay. So he was this um, high school student who... Um, sexually assaulted a fellow student while she was unconscious. Oh wow! Um, and his conviction, his um, sentence. prison sentence, um, was reduced to only six months because even the judge said that he was concerned about um, like ruining his successful career. And everyone was saying, "Oh, you know, he has so much potential." And it's like... Oh my gosh, this was on How to Get Away with Murder as well. Really? Yeah, but this more intense, because, like, in How to Get Away with Murder, he killed, like... Well, he's a suspect as one of the people who killed the girl. Her name's Layla. Layla, I think. From, okay, we're yeah. going off on a tangent. No, 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 but it's, like... It's, a, it's the same... It's kind of same similar. Basically, he's, like, a suspect that he killed her because she's dead. Uh, clearly. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> and then, um... But the thing is, like... The, the university are trying to protect him because he's like an athlete and like he's the best one in the school and like they're scared his reputation will be ruined so they're trying to get him off prison because of that or like not to be a, and I, I suppose that happens a lot in terms of like when someone especially with celebrities and stuff like you don't you, you don't quickly believe when someone comes forward to say they've sexually harassed them Do you? yeah I, I think this applies to any crime there's a huge issue when people don't look at the crime in isolation they look at the background of the person Mm -hmm. and they say oh this person has won this many awards and as if to like make the crime less severe let's Um, let's answer his question before we like um, but yeah like lad culture culture. so things like um rape jokes in the locker room Mm -hmm. getting drunk and trying to assault drunk women like my thing is what do you think infuses this idea that of like the power imbalance between men and women or like men seeing women as a sexual object do you not feel like women have a a role to play in that as well what kind of role do women have to play okay so for example with the little mix video for do you know what video i'm talking about the one where they like what they're practically naked and they drew like the hateful comments and stuff that people call them on their on their body like that's a feminist thing and like Ariana Grande as well she like gets naked in her music video because it's a feminist thing and like she owns her body and all of that especially Nicki Minaj a lot of her music videos like very sexual it's all it's, it's because sex sells and stuff and it's like 
you see all of this stuff and I know it's really stupid to see that and think yeah, oh but why does sex sell it's because of the patriarchal norms that have been established throughout but, history but like it's so easy to just go to patriarchy and say like it's but like for a lot of a lot of women are allowing this like what what what, what are they doing to not let that happen like well, to, yeah, to change I, the the game if like if patriarchy is the, is the problem what are you doing to change the patriarchy or like to to like if if everything is like if exposing your body is a feminist thing, what way okay. is it a feminist thing? How are but you listen, using in a feminist? Empowerment thing? and liberation are very subjective things and whether you look at them um in relation to or in isolation from the context of patriarchy and all that, it is the woman's choice. And I don't think you can conflate the issues. You can't say, Oh, women are looking to nudity as a form of self empowerment mm-hmm. and sexual harassment is on the rise the two must obviously correlation weak. doesn't mean doesn't it mean causation you doesn't throw it? that phrase i mean I, I had to because that's not what i'm saying so don't put words in my mouth no but again it's all about the context of choice if a woman um chooses that uh, like this nudity as a mm-hmm. form of self-expression and empowerment that is her choice but you can't say she welcomed people to assault her or harass her obviously not but like you can't take away the fact that that is what is fueling like lad culture because they see all this music videos and they see like women as because the women are project they're projecting themselves as sexual objects in that so i mean i don't agree with them seeing women because it for me it doesn't really make sense like if i wanted to if i really wanted to just walk out of my house without wearing anything like i feel like i should be able to do that (laughs) (laughs) but like but you love your mom too much yeah exactly so it's and i don't think anyone should judge me for that so well i think ultimately and let's bring in the scholarly part of scholarly conversations it's like how um in antony and cleopatra which is the play we're studying in english love it yes um, Cleopatra is sexualized by Rome. Rome is the masculine force, mm-hmm. but Cleopatra, um, like, what do she like? Appropriates that um, objectification and uses it as empowerment. Like yeah. that's her defensive mechanism. In contrast to Lady Macbeth, who allows it. To, yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 do one yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but even with that, so a character in that play, Inabarbus, like he represents. Rome, like he's, he represents the traditional values of Rome. Like, in, when he talks about women, he's very like misogynistic about that. But in Shakespeare's time, that's not that that doesn't exist, that's not an issue. That's just how women are, like, are portrayed. Like, you don't expect a woman to be in a, play, a position of power. That was the context of the time. And for a lot of a lot of men who are like being take like picked up today for their bad behavior and like their disgusting behavior, it's like when they were growing up, a lot of stuff that they were doing was very normal it's like it's disgusting but doesn't take away the fact that it was normal in that time and it's because today i i would i would like to think like we're more educated and more knowledgeable and more like our eyes are open to see that that's disgusting like that shouldn't have been accepted i don't think you needed to have movements like this in say the 1960s to be able to acknowledge that women can be both sexual beings and individuals in and of themselves with rights, with ownership over their bodies. It's like, I don't fully agree with this product of their time argument. Although they might have been influenced by um, like the popular beliefs of the time, you have your own conscience, you know? 
that's easy to say because again you have benefit of hindsight like you you're that's what i'm saying like you're knowledgeable and stuff like education wasn't for everyone like in a long a long time ago like people just went with what religion said so and what like the traditional values who are guilty of these crimes like sexual assault um who have been found guilty of them from say 40 years ago if they should they be convicted now or should they just Oh, definitely be convicted. I'm not saying don't be convicted. I'm just saying like, it, it's not it's not so easy to just judge them. Like, that's why for me, like when I see when when I hear a lot of people were racist, like a, what, a a long time like fifty years ago. It's like I'm not shocked by that. Like when I read a lot of history book about um about the, the civil rights movement in in the UK and in in the US, like the, the, a lot of words that they're using, like the N word and stuff. Like those are historians writing that. That doesn't mean that those historians are like not invalid because they were racist twats. Because they were racist. Pardon his French. <laughs> yeah, it, it it doesn't mean they're invalid. It just means that that's that's the time they they lived in, and like a lot of these things were normal for them. So, but th- you have to take that into consideration when you look at them. You can't just like omit that and just use like, oh my gosh, I'm using my contemporary knowledge. Like that racism is wrong. Like you can't use the N word. So like if you do that, then you're just really disgusting and you're just wrong. Like you need to appreciate the fact that. A, a lot of they had very backwards like ideals back then, but at least we're progressing now. And again, I'd like to think we're progressing, you know. Yeah, totally agree. So, do you think that the notion of um, rape culture is a myth now? Oof, oof, oof. <laughs> rape culture. What's what's rape culture? It's like trivializing the issue and uh, things like uh, jokes about rape. I don't think. A lot of people, especially men who haven't been the victims of such things, mm-hmm. it is easy for them to just make light of the issue. You don't see the severity of it. And it's actually shocking because some victims of it see the crime as like worse than murder. That's how much it, it's affected them. Mm-hmm. So to be able to like make light of the issue, just throw these jokes around. I think... Yeah, like, obviously, I, I feel like a lot of people, especially people who have experienced it, like, a coping mechanism for them is to just make a joke out of it, because you can't, you can't be crying about everything all the time. At some point, you, like, that's a coping mechanism for a lot of people, like, they just laugh at stuff that really hurts. No, I don't mean victims making jokes about themselves. Okay. I mean, uh, linked to what Josh was saying about lad culture. Um, these jokes are often made in like locker rooms and in private between boys and mm. you're, what are you saying about that then? but it's not okay it's, okay why, why do you think it's not okay? because like I, like I said you're just trivialising this huge severe issue and I think if you normalise things like this and I've heard some disgusting jokes like that it's almost making it okay to rape people yeah or to like make advances that they haven't consented to it's like historical continuity you're just allowing the issue to carry on what would you say like they're in locker rooms like does that change like they, they wouldn't say this outside is that a point to be made 
goes back to the point of context. Um, <clears throat> some people, you know, um, Donald Trump has made jokes about this, like, you know, grab them by the... Yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of people have excused him for it because it was locker room talk. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's okay? I'm not, okay, I'm not saying it's okay and I'm not saying it's not okay. What I'm saying is, like... A lot of the facts we can't we can't keep pretending that people are perfect. Like, oh, that's true. Like a lot of people will pretend to like be holier than thou. Like, I I do that occasionally. Like, but everyone's disgusted. Everyone's gross. Everyone like. So, has, do you think it's an integral part of male nature? It's an integral part of human nature, mate. There's not a division. This is the problem. Like, there's, there's everyone's always dividing like men and women. Like. No, but the perpetrators of sexual harassment and assault tend to be male. I agree with that, but then a lot of men equally do get sexually harass- harassed, but they yeah, just don't say Yeah, I know, but even anything. then, the perpetrators are... No, but a lot, like, there are cases where it's women, but, like, you just don't talk about it because, because like, who's going to listen to that? Like, men, like, this debate is for women, it's not... It's like men aren't included. No, I think in the I think yeah, we do need to have more male voices because, um, as I was saying, a lot of the cases go unreported, and the majority of those unreported cases are when men have been victims. Mm-hmm. It's seen as something that's shameful. Like there's an added layer of shame because of masculinity. Yeah. Okay. On masculinity, actually. On masculinity. Who do you think enforces masculinity? Everyone. Actually, masculinity in itself isn't a bad thing. It's when it's hyper masculinity and there's like there's no space for emotions and discussing these issues. But that is a topic for another day. Okay. Yeah, but so we done with lad culture. It's like, is there anything else that could be said about it? Okay. So um, the next. The, the second comment we had comes from Melissa um, and she says um, if an action makes you uncomfortable that's that basically sexual harassment if you feel like if you're uncomfortable something someone said to you or done to you is uncomfortable then you're privileged to say like you've been harassed or something but at the same time um, classing um, harmless touches as harassment can mean actual cases like mm, but then everything is so subjective like everyone's realities and their thoughts and how they interpret actions are very subjective and even the word harmless mm-hmm. what defines harmless it's like everyone has their different um, ideas and criteria for what makes something harmful offensive inappropriate but I think if somebody has expressed that something is making them uncomfortable respect their wishes okay you have no right to be saying that shouldn't make you uncomfortable but like if it's affecting the point he's making like if if you're going to say you've been sexually harassed you need to know like the weight that that carries with it oh that's true like someone's whole life is ruined by that like if you say that because it's such a disgusting thing for someone to do in the first place so well yeah but some things are like undoubtedly indisputably examples of sexual harassment like somebody touching your private parts on like a train how is that not like that's just this okay exactly that is there are some cases where like it's less obvious as to what it should be classified 
us, like mm -hmm. for example, an unsolicited compliment, which the person giving it thought it was just a compliment, the other person got very offended. Yeah. There are blurred lines with those things. Blurred lines. There's oh blurred lines God. with everything. Blurred lines. Everything is contextual and subjective. I think that's a recurring theme in our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, just don't answer the question, just scrape it. Because there is no question. That's why we're having scholarly conversations. This is true. It's we look true. at the spectrums. Okay, so um, what about, like, do you think feminism plays a part into, like, why is so, is, is why the conversation is more open now? Like, the... Because people, are, uh, I don't know, what am I trying yeah, to say? Yeah, uh, no, I get you. Um, what am I yeah. trying to say, Sadia? Sexual harassment has been, like, one of the main tenets of the feminist movement. Third wave. Well, no, ever since it started, really. Mm, I did Yeah, well, you know, back when women were literally seen as property. Uh, the and, suffragettes? Um, yes, yes. Voting? Yeah, voting has always been an issue, but it's about giving women, you know, emancipated like, yeah, yeah, but the, from all the, the shackles of hyper-masculinity. But that's like second wave feminism. Like, first wave feminism is like, I think, purely about getting the vote and getting like, property rights. But it's about like economic, political and social rights. But social rights came mainly in the second wave. Okay, yes. Okay, sure. Sure, sure, sure. But it's, it's been about affecting law anything that um, secures women their rights and yet it is mainly the focus of third wave feminism mm -hmm. because for a woman to be to actually be humanized and seen as like having agency over herself sexual rights is a huge part of that okay yeah so in terms of victim blaming do you feel like with the severity of um, not okay, maybe not victim blame, but with the severity of the of the crime that you're accusing someone of, for example, if someone was to accuse someone else of murder, you'd expect the the lawyer to to like really go into the person who's like you can't just accuse someone of murder and just expect accept them. Yeah, to of say, course not. You have to look at um, the evidence you have, but at the same time, things like what the victim was wearing is not evidence. In the same way, if you have a murder accusation and you say, oh, you know, this person was wearing a labour shirt and I support the Tories, you know, mm -hmm. you never look at what someone's wearing. Yeah. It doesn't justify the crime at all. Oh, yes, obviously, but is there an element where... Why, why is victim blaming wrong? Let's, let's, let's talk about that. Why is it wrong? I think the name itself... Yeah. Already has connotations. It's blaming the victim. Hence, but it is wrong. It's that's not just the like fault. that's just etymology and stuff. That's like someone defined that as victim blaming because it's it sounds it's basically defining the problem, like giving a name to the problem. So yeah. it, you can't really use that what the name means. The name is already it's just what it is. Yeah, essentially, it's like taking blame away from the perpetrator. Mm -hmm. And you're putting it on the victim. You're acting like the perpetrator doesn't have their own doesn't have agency over their own actions. This other person caused them through their behaviour, through what they were wearing, they caused them to act in such a way. And that's wrong completely. Let's just say if anyone have more to say on that, like please do. Do 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 um, wow, messaging. Yinka, you no. are so rude. What do you mean? No, do messaging. So the next thing I wanted to talk about was consent. Do you find you have a definition for what? What would you define as consent? 
so it's like it's typically a verbal expression of permission to give someone like permission to do whatever like to say whatever do you know okay. so there's um a podcast i was listening to you my favorite podcast in the whole world um, um no 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 we don't we don't promote our competitors no, but radio lab you need to it's beautiful they had like this three episode segment on like consent it's called the no and um the final episode we're talking about um the, when women give consent so for example um someone asks them sorry some um so someone comes up to them sorry someone comes up to them and asks them like um like flirt to them and they just they say no and but the person's persistent and keeps going and like because really find you attractive trying to get you your number and like and just keeps going and then like the the woman just she just says yes just to get over with like and a, a lot of the women in the episode they also talk about how like this happens in terms of sex as well where like they 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 start off by saying no, but like with persistence, they just say yes and like, just so like it can be over and done with. Like, I just feel like, in like, do, is that still not a yes? Do you think that consent culture and like the emphasis on consent has gone too far? That's a different question. No, it's it's a related question. Like that's a different question. No, it's question. not. It's a different. No, no, question. no, no, no. If a man wanted to pursue a woman like that, does he always require her consent from the start in order to continue? Like so, um, for example, we're in a bar and I come up to you and I'm like, yeah, it's okay like to talk to you? Yeah, does every romantic endeavor require consent? I mean, if you, like, in, if it, when it comes down to doing the de- the dirty. The, the devil's tango you need to it, the consent is very much like n- needed but I feel like if you're going to walk up to someone and like speak to them like you can't it's not romantic Just anymore be careful, is it you know don't do that in a dark alleyway don't obviously do that if the person has headphones in and clearly doesn't want to speak to you obviously but like it does take away the like what's that's like I don't know. Do you think um, consent culture is like sucking out the romance of everyday life? I think yes. In terms of going up to ask someone out and stuff. But in, in terms of sex, it's really important. Consent is number one, it's key. But yeah, I don't really. Yeah, I don't think. Okay, uh, physical things aside, with flirting, mm-hmm. you don't need to say, oh yes, I, I consent to all these endeavors. It's either you let it happen or you say no. And if you say no, then the other person must respect your wishes. It doesn't matter if they yeah. see it as harmless. Um, yeah. Is it a power issue? Like, is the Sexual assault in general? Yeah, it's the problem that... Is it, is it a problem that we're making it a power issue? Like, does it have to be masculine versus femininity? Is it, is it just... It's just something that happens, like, people are, people are just horrible people in general, like... And no, but assault and, like, the effect it can have on the human psyche, I don't think we should see it as um, exclusively a masculine versus feminine issue, because, again, that um, ignores the fact that women can be perpetrators of harassment, at least, right? Mm-hmm. But there are um, power plays that come into it, 
And I'm going to bring in feminism one last time. There's like this um, slogan that says that the personal is political. And political things are about power plays. Yeah. So if you look at um, assault and harassment and the effects it can have on the human, like I said before, the human psyche, things like fear, physical effects, that is all about power. It's about one person having strength and power and the other person being a victim and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And typically it involves this very strong power play, whether that be with ages, with an older person doing it to a younger person, or with uh, like professional positions, with someone's boss doing it to them, and you know there's the risk of them losing their job. There does tend to be some kind of power play involved, yeah. and often it is very physical. It's like, I can do this to you, and because I have physical strength, there's not really much you can do about it. Yeah, I don't really have an opinion on this. Wow. I'd like to, I'd like to formulate like oh it's the first birthday oh I'd like to formulate an opinion at some point yeah yeah that's the point of this podcast like honestly we're not coming here with um stubborn opinions or anything yeah. it's just like a conversation and if you'd like to join in with the conversation follow at scholarly convos on Instagram yeah you can send in suggestions for what we should talk about your own opinions and we might even invite you to come and speak with us at this. Secret location, yeah. which we have to um, blindfold you in order to bring But with your people. consent, obviously. Yes, with your consent. With yeah. your verbal consent. Yeah. Um, okay, so, for example, okay, there's another thing I actually want to talk about. Um, the definition of rape. Like, the legal definition of rape. It, so, the legal definition, it has to do with, like, penetration and stuff. Like, so... Inherently, from the start, like, the men are the problem already. Like, it's just, basically, rape is just something that can be done by men. Well, yeah, because there are separate terms. There's sexual assault, which includes rape, but isn't necessarily synonymous with it. Because rape is probably the most severe of the crimes of sexual harassment to assault to rape. Because that's the one that has the most, like, psychological, physical repercussions. I'm not saying that men are the problem, but I'm saying that they are the only... Mm. They're only capable of... So, like, a a woman can't rape? I don't think so. Unless it's, like, a significantly older woman and a child. I think in that circumstance, the term can be used. What if, if, like... Also, another thing, like, I don't really get, like, listening to the podcast um, from Radiolab as well, like, there, there's, like, there was a story they were telling okay, now about. we're dissing our competitors. Not dissing, but there was a story, like, I, I didn't really understand what, I don't really have, I don't know why I'm thinking about it, but, like, it's to do with how the story was to a boy and a girl, like, they were both drunk and everything, they both, like, drank the same amount, if the boy probably even more, and then they ended up, like, having sex, but yet. The girl was able to say that was rape, and the boy couldn't do that. It's like, does the, is, is that just not just present like the flaw that is in the legal system in terms of rape? Like, I don't know. I don't. I really, I, I, I really didn't understand that because the story. The st- when when they were saying the story was like it was. I just I didn't understand how to feel about it because. And then, and then the next thing, the, the guys were talking about how, like, 
a group of guys have created an app on their phone where before they have like before they do anything with a girl they get her to like verbally say on the phone to sign a contract and everything and like it sounded like a joke but like you can see how like terrifying that is and i suppose women obviously they it's more scary for them when when anyone who's assaulted like it's more it's really it's it's a it's a very immense thing to to go through but just with the way everything is at the moment where anyone could be called out for sexual harassment even if like because the definition of sexual harassment itself is not concrete it's yeah, just i think naturally like the legal dimensions of the problem are very complex especially because you won't always have things like surveillance mm-hmm. you won't ever know if the person is lying so it's like where do we go from here it's like if a woman accuses a man of assault do we have to believe her do we mm. do we need to consider what he says it's like um yeah. well obviously you have to consider both sides but it's like is the law on the side of women i'd like to think so do you think it should be i think it should be on the side of both but how by just how you trial any other case in general like it's a it's assault is a criminal offense like how would you trial any other criminal offense like you have to consider both but sides but it's with like the lack of evidence how do you trial it you do it by word of mouth you do it by like i know that in america at least when a man is accused of sexual assault they look into his past mm-hmm. uh, whether he's ever been accused of it before and then that kind of adds weight to um the accusation made against him do you think that's okay should we look at people's pasts? Are we looking at the past of the women as well, though? Of the victim as well? Should we look into her sexual history? Is that ever fair? But, I mean, if you're going to look into the man's sexual history, it's just... just you, It goes both ways. I think we should talk to Rita about this. Um, so, <laughs> my friend Rita is very interested in law, and um, she had a presentation on this at um, Feminist Society following that case um i think it was in ireland where um like the prosecuting side got the woman's underwear and showed it in court and said Mm -hmm. and used it as evidence against the victim essentially yeah i think something she was talking about in the in the in the presentation was like she the both of them be considered victims at the point like the idea of like innocent until proven guilty well wait in that case I don't think the man should be seen as a victim because there were witnesses who saw him suffocating her saying things and then she verbally said you just raped me yeah you should read the news I I should read the news but yeah I think it's like we 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 have to come back to this then like just really think maybe have more concrete ideas of what we're actually trying to say So, we called Rita. This is completely random, but um, Yinka and I are recording scholarly conversations. Yinka and you are recording what? Scholarly conversations, the podcast. Oh, yeah. And we were wondering if you could say something about um, the presentation you did about law and um, sexual harassment and that. 
Yeah. So the, the... Oh, like right now. Yeah. yeah. Can it be like any other time? Because like I'm really tired and I won't be able to say anything <laughs> okay. decent. Yeah, that's completely fine. Okay, but I'll definitely do it, like if you want to do it tomorrow or something. Okay. I'll do that unless you need to like upload it today or something. No, I, no, no, it's I fine. Mean, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, this okay. was Yinka's idea. Blame him. I mean, you oh, brought no, it. No, it's all right. I'm, I'm glad you guys thought of me. Yeah. That's, that's nice. Thank you. Okay. But yeah, I'll I'll do it tomorrow. Okay, okay. cool. Okay, cool. Uh, See ya yes. in a bit. Are you going to need the thing? Um, no, I can't. Oh, all right, I'll see you oh, tomorrow see then. Oh, tomorrow, yeah. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, exactly. Bye. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Hi, Sadao. Hello. Yeah, Hi. Um, yeah, we're just calling to ask you some questions on, like, your opinions on, like, sexual harassment and especially, like, how it relates to the law. Okay. Yeah, um, is there anything you have to, to say? Um, I think there is a problem with, like, growing movements like Me Too and that in some ways can... I mean, it's great that it's picking up, picking up, but... It can make some people believe that, you know, women are, women's claims aren't valid. And you can see that in court cases where, um, you know, courts are hesitant to pass out judgments um, on rape um, because of that, because they, because of insufficient evidence. And a lot of it is reliant on Thornman and her experience. So I think that needs to be respected more than it is now. Okay. And is there, like, is there anything with the definition of rape in itself, like the legal definition of rape? Um, well, the legal definition, like we discussed, was talking about how one person penetrates another yeah. um, with their penis. So I guess like that's more focused on men, mm-hmm. um, and maybe it can gloss over the fact that women can also um, like uh, rape men. So maybe there's a problem to do with that. How can um, women rape men? Is, um, well, I guess if we're saying that rape is sexual intercourse without consent, yeah. then a woman can also rape a man by having sex with him while he is drunk or, um, I don't know, intoxicated, you know, with, with um, like, drugging them or something and, and forcing sexual intercourse with them. So that could also be rape. I mean, I don't think rape is just men doing it personally. Yeah. Okay, so do you think that... Um rape should be about all types of intercourse without consent or do you think assault like do you think that rape should become an umbrella term um i think like i i'm well aside from the law i see rape as when um sexual intercourse without consent and i think sexual um i think anything that's not quite rape is it doesn't mean that it's not a serious, but I think it will just be called sexual harassment. Um, that doesn't mean that it's any better. It's just I think I would I would class it as something else. Um, but I think it's important to kind of keep the definition of rape quite specific as well because it's quite a specific thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think yeah, that's why that's why I think. Um, do you think the law has to be like rewritten to to take all of this into consideration? I think the law. 
respond to demands for progression, especially with like movements that are going on right now and more attention being given to um, the issues that both women, especially women, but also men face in like the workplace and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, it would be good for the law to progress with that and move along as society does. Um, so yeah, I think it's just maintaining a balance between making sure that the law doesn't fluctuate and making sure that the law adapts at the same time. So yeah, I think it should be um, it, it should be taken into consideration. Um, random final question. Um, do you think that the effect of the Me Too movement so far has been overall positive or negative? I think it has been overall positive. There are obviously things that have been not that great, but I think overall, if you look at it, it's basically been about um, exposing the things that women have been facing, um, like sexual harassment, which has, is very very common, but has just been overlooked. And I wasn't aware of it as much, and that the movement has kind of opened my eyes to that. But I think um, there has been cases of, I guess, um, like possible like false claims that have been made. Um, but I think overall, um, like it has been a net positive effect, I would say. But that doesn't mean that that it's been all positive. Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Cool. Enjoy the rest Thanks. of your three weeks long holiday. I'll try to. Hope you're doing your coursework. Bye. Have fun. Bye. <laughs> so, um, just for some context, Sidal is an aspiring lawyer, but because we don't know any actual lawyers who are willing to speak to us, <laughs> she's going to act like she's a real lawyer. And she's a real lawyer. Thank you very much. Yeah. No qualifying law degree yet. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we have to. <laughs> this is scholarly conversations with Sadia and Dinka. Following the release of Lifetime's six-part docu-series, Surviving R. Kelly, the controversies surrounding the sexual assault and sexual harassment claims against R. Kelly has once again arisen. And we decided to ask some people who have seen the series for their opinions, and this is what they had to say. So what are your opinions on R. Kelly then? Um, So before I watched the documentary, I just thought all these women coming out with their claims, it just didn't make sense because you knew about all the claims and you as a conscious 17 plus year old woman, you're still going to pursue him. Mm. But then I watched it and I realized that um, psychological kind of superiority is a thing and people are able to be influenced and their minds can be molded in a way in which they're they're trapped by someone. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he was able to take a young girl and make her um, transform herself into a boy and be his little boy toy. Wow. Um, and yeah, he, him having the ability to do that, especially with the circle he was with and the people he was around, and not and them not stopping him from doing things like that, kind of shows that we live in a world where people are too scared to speak up because of influence or money or power, which I feel is something that we need to break wow, in today's that society. Is, that's pretty interesting. That, that was a lot. But um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, no, no, that's good. Uh, another thing is what when we're talking about it, it's like. What's the distinction? No, maybe not that question. I was going to ask, like, what's the distinction between sexual assault and sexual harassment? Because for most of those women, they weren't 
assaulted, you know? Yeah, it was kind of like a... Yeah, they weren't assaulted, but it was like a willingness assault, if that makes sense. The fact that they... It's not like he looked for them, but they came to him and then he manipulated them. So it's hard to, like, if we do it in a in a justice system way, claim that he assaulted them or um, abused them, but... Do you think that's why, like, he's not in prison? Because of the fact that they... He didn't go for those women. The women came to him. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of them. But the point is, even if he didn't, like, do any of those things, um, we need to factor in that there has to be something incorrect. Like, why can't these girls know R. Kelly and be in his house and also keep in contact with their family? Like, that says that there's something wrong going on. The fact that they're they're so um, willing to hide from their family like means okay there must be someone coercing them to stay away yeah um, this is a very controversial like opinion but it's something I read about and it, I was very shocked by it because it's something I've not thought about but like you know with this idea of like not blaming the victim but blaming the victim kind of situation it's like let's argue the, the fact that um, for a lot of a lot of the movement before like a lot for a lot of history mm. it's always been like women aren't believed like you always blame the victim like what were you wearing what were you doing kind mm. of situation and with our Kelly's victim it's almost that you kind of have to blame the victim yeah. because they're the ones who actively went out to seek him mm. and but what, what do you have to say about that just I say um, that they're as innocent as any other woman who's been um, raped or and I know that's controversial, but I say that because they didn't, at the end of the day, they didn't know what they were getting themselves into. And that's a big, like, factor. It's not like if any woman would be willing to go with a man knowing that he's, um, he's a rapist. And it's all, like, I don't know, a molester, but, like... What must happen? The, the point, like, I think the point is that, is that he knows that they're vulnerable. I think that's where the problem lies. Like, you know that... Um, maybe they have some sort of self-confidence issue and he took that yeah. and made them feel like if he's the only person that can love them and make them feel like if their family don't care mm-hmm. and that's the point where I feel it turns into abuse rather than um, a consensual relationship yeah okay um, yeah so what final um, if, you, if someone didn't know what was going on with R. Kelly how would you summarise it like what Ooh. is the R. Kelly controversy um, so, an artist has... Hmm, how do you actually summarise it? He basically created a sex cult and um, took these young, vulnerable girls... Took and, or...? Okay, well, he manipulated these young, vulnerable girls. And when I say young, I'm talking about between 14 and... I think the highest was maybe 23. He had older girlfriends, of course, mm-hmm. but he had them and kept them in the house. Um, in his house and they would just like stay there just on that point about young vulnerable girls Mm. like the one thing that i can see that's a positive from this r kelly thing which is weird because like it's hard to find a positive (laughs) in it but it's the fact that for once black women black young women are being seen as vulnerable um, vulnerable children that were assaulted because 
it, it seems like the difference between like white women and black women is that like those are strong yeah. and they don't cry. Yeah, they have and, to yeah. be strong. Like and a fifteen year old black a fifteen year old black girl is a woman now. She's not a child <laughs> anymore. Like yeah. if anything happens to her, she can be held accountable for mm. like, with the way society is right now. But yeah. like something happens to a fifteen year old white girl, ah everyone must <laughs> die. How <laughs> dare you? It's, it's, they're not children they're children they're angels it's like mm. I, I think that's true because even growing up as a black girl i found that if me and a white girl got into an argument and she was clearly wrong mm-hmm. and she went off crying and i went off crying i yeah. guarantee you everyone would run e- to her everyone run to and her. it happens like all sorry the t- vanessa but like no <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> no, no, no one would care about me and it happens all the time and like every time like there's some sort of conflict between me and a white girl it's like uh, Vanessa's just being um, aggressive or something like that. And it's like, no, maybe she said something rude to me. And it's like, it's like I can't get upset because I'm perpetuating this idea that, oh, you know, the black girl is the violent one, it's not yeah. the white one. And it's like, oh my gosh, can you ever win? And now that this R. Kelly thing has happened, people are finally trying to investigate this guy and and help these young black women because yeah. if it was the other way around and it was white girls who were coming to him they'll be on the time newspaper by now yeah, like, like the front cover sitting if, down on stools especially That's what yeah do. and the first time they heard about um r kelly wow damn <laughs> Yeah, you're saying. Um, um, what was I saying? The first time they heard about um, R. Kelly. Okay, so the first like controversy that came up with R. Kelly was him marrying Aaliyah yeah. when she was 15 rest and he was 20. Yeah, rest her soul. Yeah, amazing song. She was um, 15 and he was 27. Now, if Aaliyah was a white girl, I guarantee you that would not. The second the public found out, that guy would have been convicted. But everyone just left it because they're just thinking, you know, Aaliyah, she's 15, but she looks um, older for her age. Yeah, it's fine, she's more like, mature. She's in the music industry, yeah. she's mature, you know, she she has hits, everyone knows mm-hmm. her. She's There's no way she's yeah. 15. Kind and of to me, that's her. just sick. Okay. Like, if you knew that, you, didn't, you chose not to protect a young black girl because of the projections that you put onto her and what you think she's like, which is just so, I don't know, it's so disgusting for like the black community and the time when the video came out of him having sex with the 14 year old and urinating in her mouth oh no the video was leaked everyone oh, saw it no. our parents probably saw it oh no and no one did anything and he wasn't even convicted of anything that just shows how there was no protection for that girl it had nothing to do with the girl it was all about the music but again if we twist this and look at it from a white perspective this would have never continued it would have gone far, like this far the guy wouldn't have been ma- making hits if he found out about this so that's just an important note to kind of take in okay so um let's just conclude here what final thoughts do you have on the issue of sexual harassment or um, just if you want to link it to our kelly feel free i think with sexual harassment it shouldn't it shouldn't take it shouldn't take a big like controversial story for people to recognize that there's evil and sin in this world and i think we should look at the minute warnings and take that as something wrong thank you so much it's been great yeah so i mean so far the episode's been going well like a lot of people said really interesting things 
And I love how we like incorporated so many things in the episode. Um, yeah, Yinka's just giving a template of um, what you should say in the Apple review section. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to conclude here by saying that um, the Me Too movement, we're going to think about like its relative success and failure. Um, so obviously it was founded in 2006 by Tarana Burke, who was actually a black woman, mm-hmm. but rose to prominence after... Um, I can't remember her name, but I know she was on Charmed because yeah. loved the show. And so like yeah. when it went into like the film and media yeah. industries, that's when it rose to prominence. And it's also important to to identify that it went into prominence when a white woman tweeted about it, and like yeah. that started the story and sharing. It's like why is that? That's something that needs to be. Yeah, changed. like as with most issues, this is very like tiered and intersectional. There's like the issues, the complexities of race and gender. And we need to think about those things as well as our preconceptions of what makes a likely victim or a good victim mm-hmm. and a likely perpetrator. Um, so Tarana Burke, the founder, um, she has said that the meaning of the Me Too movement has actually been hijacked, especially because the focus has been shifted from thinking about the strength and the stories of survivors to the individual cases of high-profile perpetrators, such as R. Kelly, Harvey Weinstein, we can yeah. go on and on. Um, but ultimately... Also, it's kind of interesting that it's just moving, it's moving through industries. So, like, we started with the film industry and, like, TV, and now we're going into the music industry. And yeah, and actually academia as well. Yeah. That's, that's a huge part of, like, it all. Um, so ultimately, we know that the issue of sexual abuse is fun- fundamentally structural and it's very power-based um, because the perpetrators tend to be in um, relative positions of power and authority. Um, and the Me Too movement has definitely improved like the discourse surrounding the issue of sexual harassment and maybe to, to some, some extent, extent. Um, yeah. the education surrounding it, um, raising awareness and kind of increasing the accountability that perpetrators need to have um although there's still the issue of like unverified claims and people accusing women of being attention seeking and out to destroy the reputations of men um but of course there's still a really long way to go because many victims especially those that aren't in the spotlight and like future victims they aren't yet fully protected from such abuse so um there's students who travel on the train on the, on a daily basis um, who sometimes get assaulted. My own friends have told me stories of the train. Um, and they start to question their own experiences and ask themselves if they're just being paranoid. Um, there's girls in rural villages who have really little legal, political or physical power that they need to combat these issues. And then there's women who, like I said, are afraid to talk about their experiences because they're likely to just be dismissed as attention seekers. So it's like they see it as pointless to talk about these things. Um, And there's Um, no justice. Also, I was reading something about, like, women who work in, like, industries where they're sex industries, let's say. So, like, for example, um, porn stars or, like, strippers and things, like... A lot of them have been they, they have been assaulted or like they've yeah, been raped, but, but they, they, that they can't. To the, yeah. the notions of victimhood yeah, that they we can't, have because you can't put them as victims because of the type of job they do. Apparently, exactly, is what the yeah. article was saying, and it's kind of interesting because um, should we really care? Does it really matter that that you work in the sex industry and like you should expect someone to violate you 
because that's your job or yeah. do you still have rights? See, because of the lack of surveillance we have, for example, to show, oh, this is what happened in a law court, um, I, I don't know, like, people tend to delve into the victim's sexual histories, yeah. um, into their past crimes, and it's like, should we be doing that or should we be looking at this particular crime in isolation? It's a, a good point. I yeah. Think, yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. So we'll conclude here. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That that's the that's the conclusion. But I suppose the conversation still continues. Like, yeah. You can go on Instagram and continue the conversation on. On scholarly at scholarly convos. Yeah. And yeah, just if you see us around school or something, like, drop your comments. That's nice. That's always nice. Um, and yeah. So, just some rounding up. This is Scholarly Conversations, and... And our objective is never to force-feed our opinions to you. It's just to <laughs> widen the conversation. Or bash you over the head with <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> continuous... <time. laughs> yeah, thanks for listening to this episode of Scholarly Conversations. Until next time, um, this is Will Joseph Cook playing in the background. Thank you. Some last few words. Thank you to everyone who made this episode possible, the one about sexual harassment. Thank you to Vanessa, Josh, Leona, Bilal, Emily, Sadal and Rita. To continue the conversation, follow us on Instagram at scholarlyconvo, leave a review on iTunes and remember, opinion is the medium between knowledge and ignorance. So go and have yourself a scholarly conversation today. Until next time, this is Message by Will Joseph Cook. Thank you. It's pulling my heart out The perfect day The feeling that nothing Could take this away Well, if we had a message I think it got lost Maybe I'm closer now than we ever got Yeah, you'll find me where I lay Always Was something switching off Did I miss it? But I feel like following Following my heart again
to get this back.